Yo, this is G-Dub. Shout out to my bro, Darren Thomas. Love the work, bro. I'm happy to see you got a podcast going on. I'm always supporting you, man. Love how far you've come. I'm always rooting for you. I'm always paying attention to the work you're putting out into the universe. Keep doing your thing. It's always love. From New York City, G-Dubs. Peace, bro. Hello, everybody. Thanks again for joining me. My name is Darren McGee. This is the Real Fun Podcast. Today's intro was brought to you by G Dubs out of Queens, New York. He's a gifted rapper and producer. And in the first episode, I talked about how I, when I got started in this art game, very just sort of organically with no plan, there were a few people that took a chance on me, and, and G Dubs was one of them. I was lucky enough to design a few things for him over the years, and I'm extremely grateful for his support and his belief in me so early on in all of this. You can find him on Instagram at gdubs, G-E-E-D-U-B-S, and his music at gdubs.bandcamp.com. And if you search him on YouTube, he's got an array of just really well-produced, just dope-ass music videos on that real grimy New York shit. Much love to G-Dubs. And by the way, is there just anything fucking smoother and cooler than the New York accent? I mean, good Lord. I could just have that dude read me the newspaper, phone book a menu, just so buttery. Um, The concept for the show is simple. You send me in questions, comments, anything you want. I'm I'm really just open to whatever you you feel you want to say to me. Um, And if you want to do that, you go to anchor.fm slash realfunpod. That's anchor.fm slash realfunpod. And there's a little button at the bottom that says message. Hit that, record me a message. We can talk about it. Today's question comes from Sandro out of Florida. Let's see what Sandro's got to say. Hit me with it. Also, I'm trying to make hit me with it a catchphrase. We'll see. Hey, man, congrats on the pod. Quick question for you. This one's more art focused. You've amassed this big following on social media, in part because you have this really unique style that's identifiable and it really strikes a chord with people. So how do you kind of juxtapose the feelings of you know, people are stoked and they want to do what you're doing and they want to know everything about your process so that they can make something similar and then balancing that with being kind of bummed out because you're seeing a facsimile of your artwork or if it's going to get oversaturated. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I love this question so much. It, it's, um, it's a big one and it can be picked apart in a few different sections. So I'll just start with recognizing the fact that uh, my followership is something that is not lost on me. The enormity and the incomprehensible speed with which I amassed it is just, it's a fucking trip. And I wish that I could bottle it somehow and sell it as a prepackaged formula because I know there are a host of artists and creatives who would happily pay to have such a large audience consuming their creations. Of course, there isn't really a magic formula. But if I had to break it down, I think I could explain it in in a couple of ways. Uh, at the core of the Instagram platform, the core of really just social media in general, is a sense of individuality. It's a place that you know people want to cultivate a curated personality and and just show all of their best angles and their happiest moments and their felt cute might delete later's. <clears throat> 
And within the Instagram platform in particular, and even beyond that in the real world, we often look towards artists and creatives to speak on behalf of, of what we're feeling, but maybe we aren't able to express it properly ourselves. So having a place that so many of us are a part of where we need to fill a little square with something that we resonate with or we want to share, people often lean on visual artists to fill that space. That's where I believe one of my keys to success on Instagram comes from. My work is repostable. Now, that word, I don't even know if it's actually a word. It's when I wrote it down, it got the little red line underneath saying that it was incorrect. So it's, you know, it's a term that's just so contemporary. It hasn't actually fallen into, I guess, the Oxford English Dictionary yet. But it is something that means, well, you know what it means. I don't have to tell you what it means. Uh, but my work is broad enough to appeal to a pretty fairly wide audience. It, it I notice it it just speaks to just all sorts of people. And I know that the repostability aspect is also the case for other artists who have achieved success on Instagram, like Lisa Congdon and Adam JK and Carissa Potter of People I've Loved. All of those artists use the power of words and their art to get their message across. And, and because of that, people love using their work to fill the gaps that arise when you choose to engage in a social media platform. When, if you're, if you're, if you're a poster, if you, if you put things up, what do you put up? Stuff that you like, stuff that you resonate with, stuff that's, that's well done and, and will garner some sort of attention or exposure for you or whether you do it just to share it because you like it. I mean, it, there's, there's obviously a lot of explanation and reasons that people post other people's work online and, and we don't have to spend too much time diving into that, but it's definitely something that I, I find pretty interesting and, and we'll probably cover at a later date. But another element that I can contribute to my success on Instagram is, is consistency. I post something largely new every single day and, you know, I'm psychotic with the amount of work that I put out. It's, I would say it's a sickness really. Um, but because of that, I'm, I'm in front of people's faces every day. And, and so that level of consistency has paid off. It's, as I said in the first episode, it's, I was creating a muscle early on that now I just try and keep as well-toned as possible. And at the same time, I love creating. So it never really feels like a burden. So it's just something that I do as like, almost like a job, you know, I, you show up to work every day. I show up to work on the platform every day and, and b- deliver something new for, for my followers. And also on, on a more paranoid level, I would say with this dreaded algorithm, that's often a topic of discussion around how to be successful with the account or with your account. Um, I make sure that I stay ahead of it by, by providing content on the daily. I don't know if posting every day is part of it, um, but I did it. I started doing it a long time ago and now I kind of, it's a habit that I can't really break. And it's something that I do find to be important to me and something I'm going to try and continue to do for as long as I can. Now, we as a species, we crave content. And, and if you're not creating yourself, then it needs to come from somewhere. Now, of course, with that comes a myriad of issues that I don't think most of us could have anticipated. Uh, and now it's the point where we're a little f- too far into it to really do anything about it, except talk about it, as I've come to be known by. For those who who have followed me for any great length, artists' rights and the proper treatment of artists' work on the platform is something that I'm extremely passionate about because I am subjected to a lot of the sort of the ills that befall people who post their work online. So with, you know, such an unadulterated, indiscriminate sharing across an unpoliced platform, that's the internet work is, it's bound to fall victim to mistreatment. 
And some of the things that, that rub me in the worst way, I mean, there's a bunch of them, but one of them that comes to mind is when people edit artists' work to fit into the vibe of their feed. There's, I'll give you a, a specific example. Let's say Princess Bubblegum 77. I made that up for this example purposes, but I, I looked into it to make sure that I that it wasn't actually an account. And at the time of the recording of this podcast, it wasn't an account. Um, so Princess Bubblegum 77 will be used for the purposes of this example. And Princess Bubblegum 77, she loves hot pink. Can't get enough of it. So of course her feed reflects as much. From the grid view, there's just really no denying her love for hot pink. Now myself, I'm a, I'm more of a fan of muted palettes, earth tones, not so much into the hot colors. But Princess Bubblegum, she really, really liked my latest post and it just really speaks to her soul and she just has to repost it. But just those muted tones, just, they will not fit the vibe of her feed. So what she's gonna do, she's gonna screenshot my image. She's gonna go ahead and however she does it, she's gonna pop a nice hot pink filter on top of that post and boom, it fits right into her vibe. It's It fits right into her feed. It fits right into her brand. And this is bothersome in, in a few ways. Firstly, I just, I just think it's extremely disrespectful to take something that someone created as an artistic expression and to manipulate it for your own personal preferences or to your own personal style. And secondly, um, which is, you know, kind of causes these, these ills to just sort of perpetuate is what happens is, is this hot pink misrepresentation of my work gets reposted by someone else and then reposted by someone else and then it's thrown onto tumblr and then onto pinterest and then back to instagram where a follower of mine will say hey that's real fun wow's work and they'll say oh sorry i, I didn't know i found it on tumblr and then they'll go ahead and tag me and i'll think yeah it's my work but it's pink now and by then it's just too late and it just drives me nuts and and Aside from just not posting my work online anymore, there's not really anything I can do about it. So it's something that I struggle with and it's, you know, I guess it's just the, the price I pay to put my work out there. And, and you know, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's quite, a, quite a conundrum, um, but really it's just, I think it just shows kind of a greater issue with, with what the internet is and how there aren't really any sort of real world repercussions when you do this sort of stuff. And so a lot of it doesn't take, get really even taken into consideration. And, and I don't know what Princess Bubblegum 77's upbringing was like, but I'm, sh I'm certain it didn't include a talk from her parents about how to treat artists' work on social media. It's just, it's such a contemporary issue. It's, you know, we have these really powerful devices in our hands that we can send ripples through existence while we're taking a dump. No other time in history could you have had such an effect while while shitting? I don't think we realize it because it's it's such an incomprehensible disconnect. Princess Bubblegum 77 doesn't think twice about the levels of, of what she's doing. And I don't blame her really. She just she just wants to express herself. That's kind of again is is what this all is, is we all just have a need to express ourselves and some of us aren't equipped with personal tools to do so, so we take. And we, we repurpose and we repackage and um, it's at a cost. It's at a cost, Princess Bubblegum 77. Now, that was just a bit of an aside from the original topic. That's just, you know, one example 
of what happens in, in the wild west of the internet for visual artists. Appropriation of artists' work happens because, again, content is needed. And if you're not creating, you're curating. And if you're curating, you should really make sure you do right by the creators. And because of this real unquenchable need for content, companies and business accounts are some of the most at fault for the mistreatment of artists' work. I see it all the time. It happens with my stuff all the time. There was a time before Instagram where you had to pay an artist or a brand agency to create work for you to sell your product. You know, we all saw Mad Men. Some of us got really bored within the first season and stopped watching it. But, you know, there was a time where there actually needed to be an exchange of currency and there was a, a sort of an exchange of ideas. And at the end, it was a product that the company used. Nowadays, a company will just screenshot an artist's post, put it in the square, and then just pitch whatever it is they want to be selling at the bottom. The artist at no point was asked to give consent to have their work used as an ad. And now it's being used to sell vitamins or promote a yoga class or some shit. And I've seen it go as so far as people taking my work and putting their text right over it. Like it's a fucking poster or something. And it's just, I don't know, I guess maybe because I'm a creator and I wouldn't think to do this to someone else that it's just like, it's so hard for me to understand how you don't see that there's something wrong with that. And I guess, again, that's just where uh, part of the problem is, is, is that people don't even consider it. And, you know, oftentimes I'll reach out to people and explain to them, don't do this. This is wrong. And, and they're oftentimes apologetic and, and they're just like, so sorry, I didn't even consider it. And so that's it, really. It's just a lack of consideration. Um, and again, just all this stuff is so accessible. And maybe your moral compass isn't on when you're just sitting there taking a dump and not thinking about what's the implication of what I'm about to do. This is a topic that I could definitely do an entire season of a podcast on, but in the interest of trying to retain a listener base, I'll just likely scatter my thoughts throughout a little bit more conservatively as to not hammer too firm of a point on it all, but it is something that I am really passionate about and will continue to talk about and have, you know, just, there's just, there's just so many angles to this and, and, but back to the original question. Okay. Um, again, this is from Sandro in Florida. I'm just going to play the question again because that was uh, a bit of a long sidebar. This is the rest of the question from Sandro. So how do you kind of juxtapose the feelings of, you know, people are stoked and they want to do what you're doing and they want to know everything about your process so that they can make something similar and then balancing that with being kind of bummed out because you're seeing a facsimile of your artwork or if it's going to get oversaturated. Yeah. Um, first, Thank you so much for the reflection saying that my work is of a unique style. It's something that I'm very proud of and, and something that I worked really hard to achieve. And people wanting to know how I create my work um, so they can presumably create work that looks like mine, it's, it's a tough place to be because I receive DMs frequently of people showing me artists who are creating work that you can't help but see where the look came from. And so, you know, it's hard not to feel defensive or upset or just taken advantage of. And, you know, inspiration, it's a tricky word because of course that's how work is created. We all need to be inspired, but it gets a little sticky when the inspiration is coming from such a contemporary source and the inspiration is just painfully clear. So when it does feel like a facsimile, as Sandro said, it's, you know, I see elements that I'm working with in a unique way and I arrange them in a way then I see that being done you know, in a sort of a carbon copy sort of way, that's it's like something I can't help but feel upset at. And there are voices of people who have said that I should take that as a compliment. 
that my work is appealing enough that people would want to steal it? And <clears throat> my response to that is, it's pretty simple. Fuck that. Nobody works hard to create a unique style and a, and a voice in hopes that people will rip it off now. If an artist approached me and told me that they were super inspired by my work and they created something entirely unique in their voice, that would be a compliment. They saw something in my work that sparked something new and unique in them. That is inspiration. I recognize that the point of view I'm holding on to is something that is entirely out of my control. And with that, only suffering can come, blah, 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 Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist. But the reason I hold so tight onto it is, is firstly, it's my livelihood. I put so many hours in to develop my artistic voice and, and I'm fortunate enough to provide a living for my family with it. So I'm protective of it. Secondly, and more plainly stated, I put so many hours to develop my artistic voice and I, I don't want people ripping it off. And now again, that being said, and, and how I have no control of it leads me to consider what position my success has brought me and how firm that ground it's actually built on is. Should I worry that if someone rips me off and rips off my look and begins to make a living from it, that it will mean that I can't? Yeah, I suppose not. Um, I'm reminded of, a, of an example that I sort of think that the, illustrates my point a little bit further is I remember when Tom's shoes first came out and they were all the rage, those little slip-ons that everybody wore. And one day, I don't know, maybe a couple of years later or less, Skechers started selling a near identical version of, of the shoe and called them Bob's. The audacity of that is, is is something that just is really funny to me. And, you know, Tom's kept successfully selling their shoes despite that idea being taken by another company. So, you know, I take solace in this example. I've worked for years to establish a unique look and style in it, and it's led to many amazing opportunities and collaborations. And so is, is it possible that someone could rip off my style and garner the same level of success? I'd like to think that it's unlikely. But again, it's out of my control and it just forces me to continue to work hard and innovate and not be bogged down by the feelings that arise when there are bobs to my toms. Now, I'd like to share another example. This one's uh, much more personal and I definitely took out some really important lessons from it. Uh, there was an artist that people kept bringing to my attention because of the similarities between our work and, and also the similarities of, of a couple of other artists' work as well. To me... And to others involved, the similarities were undeniable. And short story short, I reached out and asked them to stop stealing my style. And this person said they'd never seen my work before. And, and the only reason that they could think of that our work looked similar was that maybe we were using the same digital brushes. <clears throat> I strongly in insisted that they remove the work that was similar to mine. And, and the next response that I got wasn't from the artist, but it was from a law firm representing the artists. And it was informing me that if I didn't stop making comparisons, that I could be liable for torturous defamation. Of course, that made my heart sink to my stomach and, and just so scared and confused and anything involving the law and lawyers and everything just so far beyond over my head. It, it just really sent me reeling and I, I didn't understand. I, I was so confused. I thought that I was the one who who was was needing defense here that I was that I was the one who needed protection that my work was the was the thing that was being taken advantage of and so I just I didn't really understand and and after reading it several times and really just kind of trying to see it from a place of understanding was their point was at the core of it that you can't copyright a style and really which is the greater point in all of this is that your style and your voice and your look 
is inherently vulnerable once it's brought into the world. And it's just something that there's not really anything you can do. I mean, you can choose to just not share your work online and find another way to be less susceptible. But the the path that I've chosen is one of, of, of being really like willing to just share my work and trust that it'll be respected. And when it's not really just try and make peace, peace with that. So, you know, I, it, <laughs> it's just so, it's so weird. I mean, this, this is just such a strange thing. And, you know, this artist has been, been steadily gaining followers and has been selling their work. And I think there's actually a couple of instances where our work is being stocked in the same shops. And then sometimes people will actually mistakenly tag me on their work and, and, it's weird. And do I think that it's affected my business? No. I- am I bothered by it? Yeah, you're fucking right I am. I mean, really, but what can I do? And the law has proven not much. So I just need to kind of just keep my mouth shut and carry on. Now back to Sandro's question. I think, you know, there's also a section of people who ask how my work is created because they're genuinely curious and, and they they want to know how I do it. And they're not asking to try and you know to try and emulate it or try and copy it they're just curious so the look of my work is is meant to emulate a more hand hand done roughened you know imperfect quality even though it's created digitally in the previous episode my background story how i got started i neglected to mention that when i first started taking drawing seriously i was drawing everything by hand on paper with pencil and using micron pens and then i would just take a photo of it with my camera and post it online the style that i was drawing in was pointillism or stipple as it's known, it's a process where you, you're building shading gradients by making dot after dot after dot after dot, and you space them out to create depth and shadow. It's an extremely laborious and time-consuming way of creating art. And it was something that, you know, once you sort of start and you commit to, it's like really a commitment to a piece that you really just have to kind of put the hours into to complete. And as life happens, my partner got pregnant and I realized that I wasn't going to have the time to create this way. It was like a really like a, a sort of a, a rush of an epiphany of, of thinking, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm, there's just no way there's going to be time to do this. So I got back on my computer again and started kind of just putting some things together digitally and was able to kind of find out a way to just sort of make that work a little bit less precise and and a little bit messier and having that sort of imperfection to it. And with that shift, I was able to just crank out work at a pace that kept up with my creative impulses. So I was able to learn through some Photoshop means that, you know, you would give what is a known as a vector line in Illustrator, uh, a more roughened hand-drawn look is, which is what you see in my work. And it wasn't too stark of a transition when I moved from analog to digital. So I was immensely happy with being able to create work that didn't look like it was made by a computer. And I I think that's a large part of my appeal as well. I think as humans, we gravitate towards things that have a more human element to them. And to Sandra's point of people wanting to know how I make my work, you know, just, just figure it out like we figure out everything else in this existence. Just Google it. So to surmise, it's fucking wild that I've gained such a large followership. And and I believe it's in part due to the fact that there's this X factor of repostability about it. I was really fortunate enough to have been reposted by some bigger accounts, which garnered a fair amount of attention and, and just really kind of like sent me skyrocketing into, to this level. That's just like really still such a trip. But at the end of the day, large followerships don't always equal a full-time artistic living. People don't just pay you to have big followings. Or do they? Is that what influencers are? No, I don't know. 
Uh, if you're an artist and you want to make a living, you need to be creating things that people want and providing some sort of service that people want to take advantage of. It's not just all about being popular on Instagram. For me, my feed serves as a portfolio for custom work for clients or, or a catalog of work to be licensed. And it also serves as a shop. So I just utilize the shit out of the Instagram tool and I'm so grateful for its existence. It's an incredibly versatile business tool if handled properly. And of course, with all the susceptibility that I'm subject to by putting my work out there in such a vulnerable place, at the end of the day, I love sharing my work. I get countless DMs and comments of people thanking me for doing what I do. I mean, can you imagine going to your job and, and people thanking you that you went to your job? I mean, God damn, so fucking blessed to have that opportunity. So the good, as hard as it hard as it is to see sometimes, definitely outweighs the bad. And I just have to make sure that I'm paying attention close enough to really just feel the good. And to the final point of Sandra's question of, of fear of my work being copied so much that it becomes oversaturated, I've never really considered that all too much. I, I have no sense of what sort of trends of art and design we can expect in the future. I just know stuff just changes so quickly. And, and with fast fashion, they just push through so many different styles and looks and shit. So it's kind of really impossible to keep up on it. Um, I I just try really hard not to worry about what's to come with, you know, sort of greater appeal of what's going to look good or sell. I'm just trying to put out stuff that I first and foremost think looks good and that I hope everybody else is vibing with. So in conclusion, that's an episode. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I love you all. And I'm really grateful that I have this chance to talk to you all through this platform. Please continue to send messages my way. Uh, I, I just really, I love getting to hear from you guys. It's anchor.fm slash real fun pod. Go to the message button, click the message, send me a message. Let's talk about something. Okay. Alrighty. I love you all. Take care of yourself so you can take care of each other.